they make their way back to their seat. If you want to grab your Bible, you want to turn to John chapter 8. We'll be back there today. We are still in the book of John, our series called The Word, the book of John. Uh, And I don't know if you know this, but I believe this is the 24th sermon on the book of John thus far. We are in chapter 8, so I hope you like it because we're going to be here for a while, as you can see. Uh, Growing up, I wanted to be the coolest kid on the block. That was like a phrase that me and my friends used and, and some of our other friends like around the neighborhood. You wanted to be the coolest kid on the block, and you would do whatever it took to be the coolest kid on the block. But how many of you know you can't just talk a big talk, you also have to follow it up? I made some pretty bold statements as a 10-year-old kid. I was pretty confident in my bike riding abilities. I uh, didn't have the coolest bike on the block, but I could do some pretty, well, what I thought were pretty cool tricks with this uh, little huffy bike. And uh, so I made some pretty bold statements. And because of pride and peer pressure, I had to back it up. And so that turned into the great bike jump of 1987. At least that's what I call it in my brain. We had this driveway next to our driveway. It was kind of a service driveway that went back into the, like, the waterworks uh, section of town. And we used to set up ramps on this driveway because no, there were no cars ever on this driveway. So it was like, a, like a, a launching strip for doing sweet jumps on your huffy. And uh, there were some bigger kids that were coming around, 16, 15-year-olds, and I was like 10. And so I had to show off. So I made some pretty bold say, yeah, I could do it. Had them spread the jumps apart even further. Like it was like evil Knievel style, and I just sent it. I just went for it. Just pedal, 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 launch. And I came crashing down. My hand slipped off the handlebars, and now I'm draped over the handlebars. They're like in my arm, like in this area here, out of control, slamming into the bushes. Became not the coolest kid on the block, but the laughing stock for the moment. It's interesting when you start making bold statements because you kind of have to back it up, don't you? You can't just run your mouth, otherwise you're going to get called out on it. You can't just talk about things, but you have to show some fruit of it. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been noticing how Jesus is making some pretty bold statements. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned that... um, uh, Well, after the feeding of the 5,000, right? I believe it's John chapter 6. After the feeding of the 5,000, we get the first of seven I am statements from Jesus in the book of John. And he says, I am the bread of life, and he tells them to eat of him. Let's read in there uh, for, a, for a few minutes here. John chapter 6, verse 33, it says, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Pretty bold statement. If you go down a little further, verse 48, it says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So the people are a little confused. He says it's his flesh. They're a little confused, and they're a little offended. With some of the insinuation here, right? The, the manna that came down from their, to their forefathers in the wilderness, that that in fact is Jesus. That is pointing to Jesus, that he is the living, the living bread that came down from heaven. If you go down to verse 54, 
It says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He doesn't back down. He doesn't back up. He's like, well, what I really mean is this. He like doubled, doubles down on it. Makes a bold statement that you must consume me, that I am life. So like I said, today we continue in the series called The Word. We're going to look at John chapter 8, starting in verse 12, and Jesus' second I am statement. So we're not going to get into all of it here today. There's a lot here, and, and we won't get to all of it, but we're going to just highlight some of this and uh, unpack it. So let's, uh, let's read the text together. It says this in verse 12. It says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that a testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not come yet. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 21, stay with me. So he said to them, again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard what I have heard from him. They did not understand that they've been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he said these things, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Before we do anything else, let's pray this morning. Uh, so that that word, the word of God, would penetrate our hearts. Let's pray. Father, again, we come before you, and I ask you to help us. We come before you and humble ourselves before your word, that your Holy Spirit might change us. God, I don't want to just be encouraged. I don't want to just be hoorahed into better Christian living. But God, we need transformation this morning. We need Blind eyes opened to see the light of Christ. So God, today, let walls come down. Let barriers, God, be crumbled. 
Open up our eyes to behold you, to see you. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Light is an imagery used many times in Scripture. When I'm looking at this, uh, and, and I was thinking about lights, and I actually came across a, a couple of sermons this week. And in one of the sermons, uh, someone said, how do you prove light? Like, light is something like you can understand the science of it. You can see, like, you can, once you understand wavelengths and all of this stuff and what is visible light, and there's a whole spectrum out there that we can't even see. Like, how do you prove it? It's something that is, like, very self-evident. Can you see it? Yes, you can. There is light. It's plainly perceived if you, in fact, are able to see. If your eyes are opened and are functioning, functioning properly, you can understand light. I uh, heard R.C. Sproul in a little teaching that he was doing on this. He asked a kid in the crowd. He's doing a short teaching. He looks at a, at a, at a young uh, school-age boy, and he's like, what color is an orange? Kid's like, well, it's orange. He's like, okay, now I'm going to ask your older brother, brother a little harder question. He said, what color is an orange if there is no light? He's like, black. <laughs> there's no light. There's no reflection. If there's no light, there is no orange. There is no color because everything is perceived when light hits it. Everything is known. Everything that is known is known by the light of Christ. Everything that we can perceive is because of light. And there seems to be a coincidence between, uh, between light and life. Anyone taking biology in here? Anyone taking, anyone past biology in here? How about third grade life science? Can we start there? Right? Anyone have the little Dixie cup, the little bit of soil in it? Take a seed and you stick it down in there with your finger and then you put a little water in it and then you put it in the windowsill in your class and before too long there's a little shoot. And the beautiful thing about that little shoot is it reaches for the light. Have you ever noticed that about plants? Have you ever had flowers sitting on a table and they just kind of reach for the window, reach for that light? You turn them and just sure enough, the next day or two, they'll turn and reach the other way. There seems to be a coincidence, a coincidence of light and life. And you read it a few times in Scripture. Today, in John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And it's not the first time that we've heard this correlation between light and life. John chapter 1, starting at the very beginning, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We talked about this a few, uh, few months ago now, actually. He was there in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In Christ Jesus, the one who just made the huge statement that I am the light of the world. In him was life, it says in verse 4. And the life was the light of men. There's a beautiful coincidence between light and life. And that life being found in Christ, that light being Jesus Christ himself, 
It actually makes me think of Genesis chapter 1. Right? You want to see a, a, a coincide, like how a correlation between light and life, right? When you open up Genesis chapter 1, go all the way back to the beginning, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here's the status of the earth it was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. The very first thing, and I'm not saying that Jesus was a created being, right? We read in John chapter 1, right, that he is preexistent. He is God himself. He was there at the beginning. And God says, let there be life. And that was the first thing to happen. And out of that, right, that uh, which was formless, as it says, it starts to take shape. That which was empty and void now is being filled. That which was once dark is now overcome by lights. And all of this flows out of lights. When Jesus says he is the light of the world, he too takes that which is formless and he gives it shape and meaning. Jesus, when he says, I am the light of the world, he too takes something that is void and empty and meaningless, and he fills it. Jesus too, when he says that he is the light of the world, overcomes darkness. Because he is the light of the world. What a beautiful, bold statement. Again, John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's a bold statement. But it's, for you and I, maybe we don't understand exactly what he is saying in this moment. It's bold, not like 10-year-old Kevin trying to prove he, who he is in front of the older boys when he launches his bike off a ramp, makes a bold claim, and now he has to back it up. But what Jesus is saying here has deep messianic ties, hearkening back to what these teachers of the law, what these Pharisees would know, hearkening back to the words from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9. We think of this as a, as a Christmas text, right? When we read, for unto us a child is born, for one, right? Like, that starts off with, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So it's not just a bold statement because it's hard to back up, it's hard to accomplish, or it's hard to perceive. It's a bold statement because he's saying, I am the Messiah. The teachers of the law would have recognized this. And that's why it seems like he only says it once. He only talks about light for just a brief moment. And from there, everything else is about um, me and the Father. Everything else is about you don't know where I come from. You don't know where I'm going. Because, and you don't know the Father because you don't know me. It almost is like the conversation takes a weird turn. It's like, okay, well, I thought we were talking about light. And he's the light of the world. And that's supposed to like be all feel good, right? Like, when you talk about that, it's like, oh, yeah, he's a light. Oh, he illuminates things, and in him is light. Like, but he's like, no, my testimony is true. My testimony is true. As we mentioned last week, 
in Jewish law, when we were looking at the woman who was caught in adultery, right? She was caught in the act of adultery. And for you to bring a capital offense against anyone, it had to be validated, particularly by two witnesses. And as I said, like, you couldn't just catch a man and a woman coming out of a bedroom. You had to catch them in the act if you were going to bring that accusation against them. And it had to be validated by two people. Same thing here. Jesus is saying, listen, even if it was me, my testimony would be true. But it's not just me. My story, my, my claim is validated because of me. My testimony alone would be enough. But also the Father, the one who sent me. Let's read in verse 13 again. It says, so the Pharisees said, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one yet. Even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, And the Father who sent me bears witness about me as well. Right? So his testimony is true based on this, where he came from. He came from the Father. Based on the account of two witnesses, he and the Father, he can boldly and definitively say that I am the lights of the world and effectively say, I'm the the Messiah and salvation comes through me. Who can say that? Who can make that claim? I can understand to some degree how the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, would have a hard time with some dude saying this if he wasn't, in fact, the Son of God. Salvation comes through the light of the world, through Christ. Beautiful verse in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. All of us were once in darkness. All of us were once lost in our sins and our trespasses. But thanks be to God, because of his great mercy, because of his great love for us, he has made us alive together with Christ. He has called us out of darkness and into his light for us to proclaim those excellencies as we talked about in 1 Peter already this morning. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. If you are in this room today and you have not had that transfer, if you are still walking in darkness, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you right now, you are, in fact, walking in darkness. You are, in fact, still dead in your sins. And As we read in our text today, what a grave thing. These, these Pharisees would not believe the testimony of Jesus. And he says, you're going to die in your sins. And he goes on to talk about how his testimony is true, that he is, in fact, the light of the world, that he is, in fact, the Messiah who comes. And the Father has sent him to be the light so that we might have our eyes opened and receive the life that is found in him. Today, come to Jesus. Allow the light of Christ to uh, penetrate your dark hearts and find salvation in him. Do not die in your sins, as it says in our text. Believe on him. Place your faith in him today. 
Let's read verse 13 and once again. It says, uh, the Pharisees said to him, you bear witness about yourself and your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Okay, of course, this seems like he's just simply talking about like he is God, right? He came from heaven. He came from the Father. He came down. We celebrate Christmas. Can you believe Christmas is only like, somebody said it's like nine Fridays till Christmas. I saw a couple days ago. So me. It blew my mind, made me sad, and gave me anxiety. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Got to get ready. It's going to happen. Christ came down, right? Christmas. He's from above. He's eternal. He's from the Father. And he's going to go back to the Father. He ascends after the story, right? Later on, we're going to read, he ascends back to the Father because he is God. The Pharisees don't know this. They don't understand this. They don't know where he came from. He's just some guy from some little town. Like, how can we trust this guy? They don't receive him as Lord. They don't receive him as the Messiah. When I'm looking through this, when I was looking through this this week, I can see this beautiful thread between Genesis chapter 1, right? When the light comes, Jesus there in the beginning. Creation, he was there, a part of it. Nothing was created that wasn't created through him. He puts on flesh. He comes down to the earth. John, the gospel writer, he he highlights, kind of gives us that in the beginning feel again in John chapter 1, and he declares that in him is life, and that life is the light of man. And then it takes me all the way back, I guess maybe forward, all the way forward to Revelation chapter 21. Right? When you're looking at the new Jerusalem, you're looking at, and, and chapter 20, it speaks of the thousand-year reign, Right? The defeat of Satan, the great white throne judgment, all the stuff that makes us a little nervous in church. But Christ is coming back, and Christ is going to conquer, and Christ is going to reign. And in chapter 21, it says that he's making all things new. Verse 22 of chapter 21, it says this, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Remember John the Baptist? Behold the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. Verse 23, And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. There's Jesus. By its light, the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their, joy, uh, bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. Praise God. Do you realize that this is our blessed hope? This is what we have to look forward to when he says, I am the light of the world, that the lamp is the lamb, that the glory of God will just simply be enough. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. This world is dark and broken, and I'm so grateful for the little glimpses of light that we get here and there. I'm so grateful for the work of Jesus Christ in my life and in your life and the fact that I have a beautiful church to belong to. But there's going to be one day when Christ is going to rule and reign, and he's going to make all things new. There won't be need for sun nor moon. It's just Jesus. I hope that you're as excited as me. So when he makes the declaration that I am the light of the world, 
Yes, he is the light and the life of man, pointing to salvation only through Christ. As I said earlier, man, please, if you are in this room and you have not allowed the light of Christ to penetrate your heart, that you have not placed your faith in him, please, today is your day. Repent of your sins, put your faith in him, and receive salvation from the light of the world. But there's also an element that all of us who've been called out of darkness, we're called to walk in the light of Christ. John, the same author of the Gospel of John, also wrote a few letters called 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We look at 1st John, chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. Okay, it's going to be another long, sorry, it's a lot of, a lot of scripture today. Actually, I'm not sorry. We're going to read 10 more verses. John chapter 1, it says this, from that which was from the beginning, which we, he likes talking about the beginning a lot, doesn't he? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, okay? Remember, light, we have to see, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we've testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message that we have heard uh, from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, While we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Some pretty big words. Some pretty big words. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. See, the light of Jesus Christ isn't just that illumination of salvation where you come to him and you just receive him and all of a sudden, boop, I've got the light, boom, good. We have to walk in that light, obeying his commands. If we do not walk in him, we're deceiving ourselves. If we're not confessing our sins, if we say we have no sins, we're, we're lying to ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love it because not only is Christ the answer, right, to, for salvation and the illumination, but if we walk in him, there's also this sanctifying work that happens, right, where you keep putting yourself in the light of Christ, exposing my darkened heart, exposing my flesh when it rises up, exposing my, my sinful secrets and my sinful dark corners of my heart. I open it up to the illumination of the, of the Lord God. And in that, I walk in him. See, I don't know, like between last week and the woman caught in adultery, we talked a lot about shame and hiding, right? We talked a lot about like 
she, here she is. She's caught in the act, right? And she, seemingly she's being used as a pawn by the religious elite to trap Jesus. But they bring her out in her lowest moment and expose her in the temple. She's probably just sitting there in a, in a heap, hiding and full of shame. Last week you said, like, that's us so many times. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they break God's command. Do not eat of the tree. They eat of the tree. And they run and hide in their shame. Let's not run and hide in our shame. Scripture calls us to confess our sins one to another. This is one of the worst things the church does. We're not good at this. Let me just say it that way. In general, we're not good at this. We, don't conf- we like to keep things to ourselves and just to persist in darkness and, and in shame. And the, the scripture is clear here that we are to confess our sins. Christ is not just the light of our salvation, but he's the light in which we walk in, in beautiful confession and repentance. So this morning, my, my question for you is, are you hiding in your sin and shame? Are you hiding in the cover of darkness? Because if you, is, if, if you are, the, the, the scriptures say that there is no truth in you. The word is not in you. So stop with the fig leaves. Stop with the shame and the hiding. Come into the light of Christ and let him cover you with his righteousness. Confess your sins to each other. Confess your sins to your community group leader. Confess your sins to a trusted brother or sister in this room, to Chris or Jeff or me. Stop hiding in darkness and walk in his light. I've said this before. Life is hard. Life is hard. One Living one life is hard. But when you're hiding in the darkness and you have this hidden sin, or you have this thing that you're struggling with, and you don't want anyone to know that you're struggling with it, all of a sudden now we've chosen to live two lives. The lives that I project on a Sunday morning, and the life that I live in shame and hiding. One life is hard enough. Living two lives stinks. I heard one pastor, I think it was, uh, I think it was Matt Chandler, who was saying, like, confession is the off-ramp of, of, of healing like, like, instead of just persisting down the road, take the, take the off-ramp of confession. Instead of persisting and hiding in shame, take that off-ramp and confess your sins one to another. How many of us in this room have put their faith in Jesus Christ? You are a Christian in this room. Go ahead, raise your hand. Praise God, right? That's awesome. That's a glorious thing. You've received the light of Christ. He is your salvation. So then we are walking by the light of Christ, right? And our life is marked by confession, confessing sins, confessing our need of him. It's marked by walking in the light. But do you realize... Do you remember? You, I'm, sure you, I, I'm sure you know this. This is If you are a Christian in this room, you know this. I'm not telling you anything new. That you too are the light of the world. Not because of you. Not because you're awesome. Not because you got it all figured out. Not because you go to church. 
But Jesus himself said that you are the light of the world. Matthew 5, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. You guys know this passage, right? Salt and light. We've got to be salt and light. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and do what? Give glory to, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. A few days ago, I had a great discussion with some of the guys in this room about making disciples and what it looks like to make disciples. If we are true disciples, if we are true followers, if we have come into his light, into the light of Christ, the one who is the light of the world, if we have seen his brilliance, if we have seen his love, if we have seen his magnitude, his matchless, surpassing worth, if we have beheld him as Lord and Savior, there is no way we could keep that to ourselves. Think about that. With what you believe about God, with what you believe about Jesus, if he truly is everything he says in his word, and we believe that word, and we walk in that light, there's no way we could keep it to ourselves. It makes me think about the disciples when they went to the tomb and they found it empty, right? And then Jesus appears to them, and they're like, wow, we got to tell everybody. The magnitude of your salvation, don't let it get lost. How big of a deal that was. That's part of the reason why I've said it before. Like, I don't ever want to forget my lostness and what Jesus has done for me. I want to just, I, 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 I know that I'm a child of God. I know that I am in him, I am secure in him, and that I have an inheritance of eternal life. But I also always want to remember just that I was blind. I was in the darkness, groping around, trying to feel my way, and somehow, some way, he touched me and my eyes were opened. And I saw Jesus, and it was the greatest thing ever. I realized that it wasn't because of me, but it was just because of his love and his greatness. It wasn't that I had earned it and figured it out and that I was awesome, and thus, because I was awesome when I wasn't awesome, that I would lose his favor. But it was just because of him he opened my eyes that I could behold him. And he gave me life. I could see for the first time. That beautiful salvation needs to be shared. He is the light of the world. The light of the world lives in you. You are the light of the world. That's the reason we exist. Do you realize that? That's the reason why we are a church. That's the reason why... God ordained the church, came up with the idea of a bunch of yahoos who are broken, sinful creatures that he was going to redeem with his blood, bring them together as the ecclesia, as the assembly of brothers and sisters who've been saved by grace, by him alone, that he was going to bring us together to be the light of the world. The church is the answer for mankind, because Jesus is the answer for mankind. And he lives in us. And so how could we ever take that and hide it? 
How could we ever take that and keep it to ourselves? Today, it's my prayer that you would understand that you too are the light of the world because Jesus is in you. And if you're not feeling it, right, a lot of times, like, we're not feeling it all the time. And so, like, we just go through our mundane day. We go to our workplace. We go to this. We go to that. We go to that. We go to that. Living for ourselves. Man, I hope that Jesus grabs your heart today. Right? I hope that Jesus grabs your heart today. I'm not, I, what I don't want to do is this. I don't want to fill you with guilt of duty. Like, we have to. Like, we're commanded to do it. But what I want to do is that you would see exactly what Jesus has done for you. That that would eclipse you and wash over you. And you would say, oh, my goodness. His salvation is so sweet. i got to share it. That you would see and behold and share the light of Christ. Disciples aren't just those who have received the light of Christ, but walk in the light and share that light. I think I'm missing my last page of notes, so we're going to finish. How's that for a wrap-up? I am going to ask Nate and the band to come so we can worship here in a minute. Today, Jesus Christ makes that declaration that he is the light of the world. First off, I mentioned earlier today, if you have not come to Christ and put your faith in him, today's the day. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive the light of life. If you've been playing church, if you've been playing religion, if you've just been kind of going through motions, today is your day to repent and to walk in that light. To truly walk in it to have the light of Christ and to walk in it, to confess your sins. Some of you in this room, some of us in this room today, we need to confess our sins. We have a double life situation going on and we need to confess our sins. To bring that out into the light of Christ, please do business between the Holy Spirit and then bring your brothers and sisters in on it. The one thing, like our church in in the last year or so, I feel like we've taken a huge stride forward in the area of community. There is a lot, there are a lot of great relationships that are being built in this church. And I want that to keep happening. I want that to keep growing. And I want us to have the boldness to be vulnerable with each other. When we're struggling with sin, when we're um, struggling with whatever, that we can bring that to each other and that we can pray over each other that we can minister the word of God into each other's life. That's part of being a body together. Like that it's not just a couple of guys who stand up front with a mic in their hands that are, that are helping shepherd hearts, but we're called to do that with the gifts that God has blessed us with one to another. A lot of times that seems daunting. Like, oh, I don't have the gift of prophecy or the gift of this or the gift of that or the gift of whatever. You can pray. You can cry with somebody. You can sit there with somebody and just... Lay your hands on them and, and, and ask God, the God of heaven, by the way, the God who made all of this, by the way, ask him to touch them. That's easy. And then it's not you anyways. When he answers that prayer, all the glory's back to him. How awesome is that? I feel like we made a great stride forward in community recently. I just want to commend you on that. I want to thank you for that. I also want to encourage you, dig in. Dig in. 
be vulnerable. Confess your struggles. Confess your sins one to another. If you need help with that or if you, you know, you need help as an on-road to community, come see me, come see Dan, come see Chris, come see Jeff, come see one of us, and we'll help get you plugged in. Today, maybe there's something on your heart you know you just need to get off your chest and you want to come talk to an elder, you want to come talk to maybe your community leader, do it. Do it. Experience the freedom in that and allow someone then to help pray over you. And the last portion is that maybe you've been a little complacent with being the light of the world. Maybe you've been complacent about sharing your faith. Maybe you've been living just kind of your American dream life, just kind of going through the motions of your life. And the light of Christ that is in you has not, it's been hidden. You've got a basket. You've got a nice little basket. Keep it tidy. Sunday morning, you kind of lift that basket. You come to church and you hang out with us. And But you know you need to share it. You need the, you need the Holy Spirit's help. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, right? Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to come to the church. He gave the Holy Spirit to the church to empower them to be witnesses. He ignited his church on fire with the Holy Spirit, and they went out into the streets, and they started preaching. Thousands, thousands came to Christ. The Lord added to their numbers daily. I want that for our church. Not numbers, but lives. Experience life. Lives experience the light of Christ. I hope that we live in that. I hope that we live in that. So Jesus, today, as we worship, as we respond, God, I pray that every heart in this place would respond, whether they are in need of salvation, they're placing their faith in you right now, whether they need to confess sin and, and to walk in the light of Christ, or whether they need to share that life Share that light with the world. God, I pray today you would do your work by the power of your spirit. I don't want a Sunday Christian club. God, help us to be your church to the glory of your name. Enable us to respond to you in humility and brokenness. Help us to walk in your light. We love you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together. If you need prayer today, come see one of us. I don't know if there's a good place in this room for us to kind of station. I'm going to be hanging out up in the towards the front here. I'll, I'll put myself off to the side. Uh, take a look for me, Chris, uh, maybe Dan or some others around here that uh, would be willing to pray for you. If you need prayer this morning, come pray. If you got something to confess, that's cool too. Um, but let's worship God and let's keep responding to the Holy Spirit today.